0: Turn up your volume, because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Sick, 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 sick. Brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec grocery and The Beer Store.
1: Marinaro, the sick podcast, and for the very first time, JP O'Connor, Laval Rocket, color man on TSN 690. What's going on, my man? Hey,
0: Tony, how are you? Good to see very, you. Very
1: good. You know what? I have Tell never, you. ever worn one of those in my life. My grandfather did. Yeah. My uncle did. I probably even have a cousin or two
0: that did, but I never wore one. You got to be, I think, 1930s Italian, or yeah. you got to be from a mob movie. Or yeah. you gotta be uh I think you have to have a, a UK Irish or Scottish background like I do.
1: To the point that I never know one that I never wore one that I don't even know what it's called. What's it called?
0: Uh a bunnet or you could call it yeah, a bonnet. I would say it's a bunnet. I think coming from the from the Scottish background that I've got, you call it a wee bonnet.
1: Oh, is that right, eh? I think Robert De Niro had one in The Godfather Part 2. Eh? Wasn't he wearing yeah, one at one point? He sure
0: was. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I like the
1: way you wear it. You kind of wear it like Robert De Niro. It's The Sick Podcast, and <laughs> it's brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer, only 90 calories, natural flavors, no preservatives, now available at Quebec grocery stores and at the beer store. We're talking Montreal Canadians And Pierre Lebrun says that based on what he's hearing – the first round of virtual interviews to interview, give or take, about 10 candidates, which started last week on Wednesday, are still not over. So here we are on Tuesday, six days later, and still not over. Are you surprised by that?
0: Well, think about the amount of candidates that they have in there, Tony. So, no, I'm not surprised that it's taking this long. I would think that they'll pare it down rather quickly afterwards. I'm sure that a lot of the candidates that they had in there there will be some lip service, I think, and and some, uh, some interviews that they might not have necessarily wanted to have, but feel like they need to. And at the same time, it's important to hear what's out there. Maybe somebody comes in that you're not expecting to, blows your doors off. You're able to get some ideas, even if they're not the person who ends up getting the job, but you're able to get some ideas out of it. So yeah. I'm not surprised to see that, but I wouldn't be surprised to see in the next you know, five or six days, once they get it pared down, take a deep breath, reevaluate, get a feel for who it is that they're looking at, maybe a little bit closer in the next round and get on with it. So I think with the Canadian, the games that they have coming up, Tony, we know that they leave today yep. for Boston. Yeah, They play tomorrow. And then because of the set of circumstances, they won't be back, I believe, until the 25th, which is after the wild game. I would think at the tail end of that there that we would probably hear, at least it's in the finals if they haven't already announced a candidate.
1: Yeah, I'm kind of relieved that the first round of interviews aren't over yet because they haven't called me yet, and I was starting to wonder why. And now I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, Maybe there's still a chance that they call me tonight or tomorrow. But all kidding aside, you know, when you said that they're probably going to interview somebody that wasn't initially on their list, I mean, one of the things that's out there is it all depends on who you speak to because some people believe that Kent Hughes is not interested in the job. Other people believe that Hughes at some point will interview for the job if he hasn't already. But there's also this thing out there uh, that Kent Hughes has um, recommended that Philip Lecavalier interview for the job. And Philip wasn't probably necessarily on the
0: Canadians' first list. And there you go. His name is out there. And maybe he's going to interview as well. Well, Phil's been associated with. Um... Uh, with uh, with the Hughes kind of family for a long time, we know yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, with um, you know Kent having represented uh, his brother Vincent and and uh, yeah. so he's you know he's been with them for ages. You know so he's certainly yeah. got the background. You and I have kind of mentioned this in the past, but one of the things that I think is very appealing about hiring an agent is with that, especially somebody of Kent Hughes's experience, it comes you know the whole kind of trickle down. They have people working for them already who have vast. Experience with with uh, with scouting, uh, yeah. with contract comparables, all those kinds of things. So maybe Tony, if they have in fact already interviewed Hughes, I tend to think that that has probably been the case, or at least they've had the exploratory conversation.
1: Uh, and if, if, I can, if I can add to that, JP, yeah. please, is that uh, think of all the network that they have in terms of other agents, scouts who have watched the 04s fours play, watched the 05s fives play, watched the 06s play. And when the draft comes up, the amount of people they can reach out to and say, hey, how much information do you have on him? Hey, you know what, Kent, you and I work together, so I'll tell you. I watch this kid play, you know, 17 games in this tournament and that tournament. all of a sudden, you know, there's those relationships and they can use a lot of those other agents and a lot of those other scouts, and they probably know all those, um, what are they called, bird dogs The uh, in the uh, you eyes it. in the sky and the arenas and stuff like that. So those are obviously, you know. So that's that uh, network. Yeah. yeah, of
0: course. And that's the yeah. network that we're talking about that that a lot of times comes along. Now, not that, uh, you know, not that guys who are interviewing for the job, who are kind of maybe more from the traditional hockey side, wouldn't have that, but maybe just not as developed as you would expect an agency to have, you know, and, and that's, then and that's only fair. It's a completely different business. They're sitting on the other side of the table, but they still need to have that same kind of drop down menu, don't they?
1: You know, one thing that I don't know that I'm trying to find out, and I will find out at some point here if somebody else doesn't find out before me, is once the first round of interviews are up, let's just say they're up today, Mm -hmm. okay? They're over today. They go to the second round. Like you said, the Canadians are going to be on the road between now and the 24th, get back on the 25th or whatever it is, all right? Yep. Will Jeff Molson be traveling with the team? Jeff Gordon, you would think, is going to be traveling with sure. yeah. and Michael An- uh, Anlauer, Anlauer and, yeah. uh, and uh, Bob Gainey are in on the interviews as well, mm-hmm. and they were all in on them virtually for round one. Would Jeff Molson and Jeff Gordon be doing live in-person interviews, you know, from the USA? Uh, would Bob Gainey and Michael Anlauer be tapped in virtually? That's something that I think is is very, very interesting. Let's just say uh, Danny Breer is a candidate for round two. Mm-hmm. They can meet with Danny Breer, who's living in the United States. Let's just say Emily Castongue is a candidate for round two. Mm-hmm. They can meet with Emily, who, by the way, a lot of people don't know this, but she is living in the United States right now. Uh, the same thing for, you know, Matthew Darsh, who obviously is a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Roberto Longo, who's a member of the Florida Panthers. So, there's there's round two could happen in person you would think right
0: i would yeah, and and, yeah. I, and and the reason i say that tony and or i agree with you there is that we saw that was exactly the case with with jeff gorton yeah uh you know jeff molson jumped in a plane clearly and, and got down to new york or into the boston area whatever it was wherever it was that they met yeah uh that was stateside so listen, let me how
1: about this how about taking a step further how about tonight when they arrive in boston uh, Jeff Molson and Jeff Gordon, uh, meet with Kent Hughes or meet with him tomorrow afternoon on game day.
0: Entirely possible, isn't it? I, I yeah. mean, you, you can do so, I think, when you're on the road. Of course, there's always going to be, you know, eyes and ears and phones that are taking pictures, so on and so forth. However, I think there's a little bit more discretion uh, that that can be maintained whenever you're on the road rather than here in Montreal with so yeah. many eyes uh, and so much media coverage and and everybody so... Uh, you know, anxious to hear who this new person is going to be for, for the Canadians for us moving forward. So, I'll put you in the spot here. Go. Let's just
1: say the candidates are, and I'm going to try and get these right, okay, based on what we're hearing. Uh, let's just say it's Kent Hughes. Yeah. Let's just say it's Philip Lecavalier. Yeah. Let's just say it's Stefan Quintal. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it's Patrick Roy. Let's just say it's Matthew Darsh. Mm-hmm. Let's just say it's Daniel Briere. Let's just say it's Roberto Luongo. Yep. Mac Denis, Emily Castongay, and Daniel Sauvageau. Let's just say those are the 10 candidates
0: that have been interviewed already.
1: That already. have been interviewed or are set to be interviewed in round one. Yeah. If round two goes from 10 to five, mm-hmm. in your opinion, who's left?
0: Okay. So, and I'm gonna take this uh for granted that Kent Hughes is in on this, right? I personally think he's already out. That's my opinion. I personally okay. think he's out. But to play the game, Hughes. I think by default, Le Cavalier is out if Hughes is is still in, okay, because they're partners, right? They and if through.
1: Hughes is out, would you put Le Cavalier in?
0: Um, I don't know if I could speak enough about uh about Le Cavalier. All right. Okay. I, I I don't know enough about his background. Of course I know that he's an agent. I know that he's been at it for for a while. Yeah. Can he can he run a can he run a team? I don't know what the answer to that is. So it, if that's it, the I, case. I would
1: I would say that if Le Cavalier is in, he would end up being a member of the organization, but he would not be the assistant, he would not be the general manager.
0: Right. Well, that's fair. Because we're only yeah. talking about GMs now yeah. in, in the same way. And and we'll, I'm sure that we'll get to it at some point. But if we're talking about a GM strictly if mm-hmm. you want to throw assistant GMs in there, that's fine. We can have the discussion. But if you want okay, to take Jim. it, so then I will say Kent Hughes is in. I will say that um, Emily Castagne is in. I would say that Marc Denis is in. Daniel Berrier is in, and fifth is uh, Matt Darsh. Yeah, those yeah. would be my five. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm, I'm. I don't think I'm off too far off, and nor would I think I'd be too far off if, if everybody else, if if you're doing a poll right now. I think we'd all be kind of give or take the same. Mark Denis
1: has become, uh, out of all, I would say, if you're looking for a dark horse, he's become the popular dark horse over the last couple of days. Eh? He's, he's, I, I think he's gaining
0: quite he's gaining some steam. Yes, uh, listen, you know, y- you speak about a guy there who has had a you know uh, over ten years in the league, uh, who is who is very uh, respected in terms of his ability to break down games, uh, you know, obviously he's, he's a superb commentator, either in English or he could do it. And he does it in French. I think he could do it in English. I think he could do yeah. it in any language he wanted. He's, he's tremendous. Yeah. Uh, I think he's got a lot of, I think he still has a lot of connections. And to be perfectly frank with you, the amount of times that he's been around Marc in the last, you know, 10 years, give or take is massive. And I think that there's a certain osmosis there. There's, there's the conversations that, that players have, ex-players, general managers, they're still players. These guys still know lots of the same people. And I think that there's a, there's, there's something there to that. And, you know, uh, Marquez has, has, has had a relationship, obviously with uh, the Saguenay and Shkutsumi, uh, you know, on a business, uh, on a business level. Um, so, I, you know, it's, of course it's different. Uh, you know, it's, the NHL and the Q is, is just not the same animal. We know that there's nothing surprising there. But I think that if you were going to have the amount of pl- people that you have in there right now, who I f- happen to think maybe with the exception of Hughes and even of Hughes, I think they're all underqualified. I don't think any of them are qualified to do the job perfectly right now. Then I think he's in, he's my, I, he's my, he's the guy that I would have picked as a dark horse as well.
1: All right, you can go to sportbuzzshop.com for all of your officially licensed sports apparel and our SICK merchandise as well. Use code SICK15 for 15% off on all of our items. All right, okay. Um, interesting article earlier today, by the way. I don't know if you had a chance to see it. Yeah. Alexander Pratt of La Presse newspaper wrote an article um, regarding NHLers under the age of 23, so between 18 to 22, and that more players in the past used to produce more, more of these 18 to 22 than now. Because as of today, there's only two under-23s in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League that are among the top 50 point-getters in the league. Yeah. Jason Robertson of Dallas comes in at number 43, and Lucas Raymond of Detroit comes in at number 47. Jack Fraser, who does some analytics uh, for EP ringside, he weighed in as well and showed a graph um, basically reinforcing that and said that the numbers right now are at an all-time low in terms of young players putting up big numbers. And Lafreniere is not putting up the numbers. He probably would have wanted to. Neither is Kako, and the list goes on and on. And one of the people that Alexander Pratt spoke with regarding this issue is none other than Executive Vice President of Hockey Ops for the Montreal Canadiens, Jeff Gordon. And we haven't heard a lot from Jeff, but, JP, before I tell you what Jeff said, and I don't know if you had a chance to read the article, did you by chance? No, I haven't had a chance yet. I'm looking forward to it. I'm happy about that, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Before I tell you what Jeff Gordon said, if I were to ask you, JP, why do you think – there are less under 23s uh, in the top 50 than there ever have been in the last 50 years or so or whatever it is in yeah. terms of production. What would you say?
0: Oh, I would think that um, – I'll give you a couple of reasons. I'll give you one on ice right now, and I think that it's structure. I think that everything right now in the NHL is almost become like the NFL in college football where it is so broken down. You know, if you were to look at even 15, 20 years ago, the third and the fourth line guys, not that they were the way that was maybe in the, in the eighties or the late seventies, but I think that even 20 years ago, you know, when, when I was still playing the third or fourth line guys now are much, much better players. They're much more structured. They know, uh, they know exactly what's going on in the ice. They know what they need to do. They need to, they know exactly what they need to do in able in order to combat um the high-end players and, and the ability to score. So I think that might have something to do with it on ice. The second thing that I would say Tony would, uh, and it, and it's something that I didn't think of until I spoke to some of the guys at the rinks that I that I speak to regularly. And the other thing that got brought up was COVID. And I thought that COVID was really interesting because if even if you look at a guy like, say, Caden Gooley, who last year got injured uh, when he was in uh, the WHL, yeah. Uh, and played a couple of games in Laval at the at the beginning of last season after an injury at the beginning of the season. You have these guys who are really good uh, caliber players who have clearly good careers and, and impressive uh, careers in, ahead of them. However, they barely played any games, so they don't have a lot of mileage uh, under them. And, and that kind of that fine tuning that you'd expect, even at a young age. Uh, isn't quite there, and therefore those those points aren't falling. I would say right off the top of my head, those would be two.
1: All am right, I close. So that's, close? A
0: vi- that's a that's a very you, good that's a am very. I, good am answer. I getting cut off? Uh,
1: no, you're very close. As a matter of fact, you're you're bang on. Because what Jeff Gordon said in no specific order was, yeah, he talked about COVID and he said that because of COVID, uh, players played have played less and less games over the last couple of years. Some yeah. leagues actually had to stop, pause, cancel, suspended and the players weren't playing. So he said it halted their development. That's number one. Number two, he talked about the National Hockey League being, in his opinion, a better and faster league than ever before, Mm -hmm. making it a lot more difficult to just step into the league and be able to perform compared to previous years. He also talked about coaching, and he said that the coaching has become a lot more better a lot more prepared, a lot more structured, a lot more defensive, a lot more uh, detailed, a lot more oriented, and all of that. And he said that there used to be a time when a young player could break into the National Hockey League, and they would think that if they scored goals that they had a good season. Yeah. But now uh, there's so many other details of their game that they have to work on that coaches are asking for, that it doesn't necessarily translate to a good season anymore. So, and when he said that, you know, I was thinking of Galchenyak, right? When Galchenyak broke yeah. into the league at 18 years of age, he thought <clears throat> that if he scored goals, he was going to be a contributor to the Canadians. But his head coach, Michel Terrier, wanted, and his general manager, Mark Bergevin, they wanted him to become a 200 foot player. Uh, they wanted him to, to be, you know, great in all three zones. Uh they they they, they monitored his play without the puck and, and all that stuff. So the reason why I bring it up is that I th- we haven't heard a lot from Jeff Gordon, right? Besides his introductory press conference. Correct. I think he did another interview on TV and he did this interview with Alexander Pratt. It shows a very cerebral Gordon and it gives you an idea of how he sees things and he also talked about the players that are performing are the Makars of this world um who uh the the Kirill Kaprizovs of this world who came into the National Hockey League after you know age 21 or later yeah. had played a lot of games before getting there and it leads me to believe uh that this is Jeff Gordon and even if the Canadians draft top three in 2022 and draft top five in 2023, unless they draft a phenom, a generational player like a Connor Bedard in 2023, mm-hmm. I don't think Jeff Gordon is going to rush any player into the National Hockey League after oh, what he just told Alexander Pratt.
0: Oh, hopefully, hopefully that's the case. I, you yeah. know, I agree with you. You look at a kid like Makar who played at UMass. And uh, who stepped out of that program? No, there, there's always going to be exceptional players, guys with tremendous yeah. talent who are able to step in. And and you can't just look at at Connor McDavid or or McCar or McKinnon or those types of guys. You can't just look at those guys. Or if you do, you then you rec- you do in fact recognize that that amount of talent is what is required. Just raw talent is what's going to get you through. As soon as you said um, Galchenyuk. It made me think of Galchenyuk sitting off that flank on the on the right hand side, firing one timers in. Yeah, and the season was all but out of reach. I don't know. I'm sure you remember this. The when he scored was thirty, a, when he scored thirty, exactly. Yeah. Him and and Bechoretti. he pounced that thirtieth goal. And hey, there you go. He's he's. And then it makes me think of Caulfield. Now. Here's the difference, okay? And, and, and this is also yeah. a bit of maturation with me in, in watching the games and understanding what it is that perhaps teams are looking for or maybe seeing this progression that Jeff Gordon is talking about. When I was watching um, Cole Caulfield in the in the last couple of seasons, and pr- uh, particularly Tony, during the development camp in Brossard, yeah. I was stunned at the amount of times I saw Caulfield in these gigantic Spaces. How the hell did you get there? Certainly, somebody had to have fallen for you to get that open. What the hell is going on? And I think we saw it a little bit last year as well, especially in the playoffs. He'd find himself in these spots and and just manage to hide. And and then all of a sudden, you realize, okay, the book is out on the kid. You the people understand what it is that he likes to do. Okay, and yes, and there's, there's ways to start closing him down. That brings in the in the coaching and the structure that you're talking. Correct. About. And I think what he knows, all starts, he
1: knows where to go and he knows how to get there.
0: Sure, of course. Yeah. But sometimes at the NHL level, maybe not at the American League and certainly not at the college level, but maybe there's a bit of cheat in that game. And it's not to finger point the kid to say you're cheating. It's not it at all. But for him to understand that in order to get to that spot, mm-hmm. that there might be a little bit of cheat there that is going to potentially cost you. If that play doesn't work out, you have to knock guys want to knock that out of the game as, as, as much as humanly possible while not taking away from what makes the kids so special. Right.
1: I got a great question lined up for you now. Hat, hit me. Okay. Do you now try to change the kid's game when he has been the leading goal scorer of his league, especially of his team at every level that he's ever played on, mm-hmm. or do you allow him to get away with a little bit of cheat? Now, we know, and the reason why I asked this question before you answer it is there have been coaches that tried to change certain players' games, but the ones where I think it becomes very important is the centerman. Iserman needed to change his game to win a cup. Medano needed to change his way to win a a game to win a cup. And both of them needed to change their game to become better players. But that's centerman. Did they change Brett Hall's way of playing? Did they change Mike Bossy's way of playing? Mm -hmm. Like, do you do that with wingers? I'm not so
0: sure you have to, and I'm not so sure I would. So let's back up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Eiserman didn't need to change his game. Detroit needed Eiserman to change his game in order to win. Correct. Mike Cardano was still going to be a Hall of Fame player.
1: 100%.
0: Dallas needed him, or Minnesota needed him, to change his game so that they could win.
1: Yeah. Both Agreed. coaches went up to them and said, listen, for us to win a cup, you're going to have to make changes to your game.
0: Exactly. For you to and be the able players to bought pack, in.
1: And the absolutely. players bought in.
0: For sure. Yeah. And give them credit. Absolutely. But I think with a guy like Steve Iserman, what you saw was a guy who was putting up 100 plus points a year to a guy suddenly who wasn't, right? Yep. So what I would say is that, yes, there are certain ways that you can rein a kid in like Caulfield without having to lock him down or handcuff him so that his numbers are coming down. Because you can't handcuff a guy like that because other guys can't put up those numbers. If you have a guy who's going to score 35 goals a year, or maybe in Caulfield's case, once he sorts it out, who knows? Sky's the limit for him because he can deliver it so well already as an NHL caliber shot. I don't see how you can put your thumb down on the kid and say, this is how you have to play and figure it out. Otherwise you're not going to play. It doesn't work that way. So my my suggestion, Tony, would be, if that's the case, Mm -hmm. my suggestion would be if he's going to ride – alongside with Suzuki, then find somebody else to do the heavy lifting. Find somebody else to be the defensively responsible person so that you can have. Because it, it works in other sports, so why wouldn't it be able to work in hockey? If you can have a little bit of cheat so that a guy can get loose, a guy can take advantage of that shot, and you have a centerman who's able to do the 200 feet as it appears that Suzuki is willing to do, then let's get somebody else in on the other side.
1: I I love what you're selling, and I've said this before. Stefan Richet told me that at one point um, Guy Carboneau or Bob Ganey, Larry Robinson, I don't remember who it was, but somebody or one of the two or one of the three went up to the coach and said, hey, you know what? Let the kid be. Let him be, and we're going to do the heavy lifting for him. Let's not change his game. And he scored over 50 goals twice in a three-year span. And if they would have changed his game, he wouldn't be able to do that. And and so I love what you're selling. I think every team is allowed to have one guy, one player that has that gift that can score goals. And you let them be. And I'm worried that it's not going to happen here for Caulfield because already we're hearing a lot of people looking at his defensive game and his turnovers and his battles and his 200-foot and this and that. Mm -hmm. And this is why I've always wanted him in Laval and just let him go and let him score, let him shoot and let him score. Let him build up all his confidence and let him come here and let him play the exact same way. And if he's gonna be a top six in Laval, if he's gonna be a first line player, let him be a top six in Montreal. And I don't like seeing him on a third line. And I I just I know it sounds kind of bad, but I I just I hope they send him to Laval soon. And yes, in the meantime, he might break out here, and and that would be great. I mean, there would be no complaints because I because I wanted to see him do well. But um, one goal in twenty six games, I think, is telling. You know, I'd send he them back telling. to the and I I, I I I you know, I'd watch him so, light it up. You know,
0: so so let me ask you this here because I think you just answered your own question. Yeah. If Caulfield, yeah, right now was sitting on twelve goals, is anybody caring about his defense? No it's the fact that he's been gotten off to a bad start. That is what the issue is. You know, last year when he came in uh, at the beginning of the playoffs and, and things weren't working right. And the goals weren't coming. And then all of a sudden it clicked. Nobody else was talking about the fact that he was maybe a little bit uh, lax in his own zone or that guys were beating him off the wall. Nobody was caring about that. So if he's sitting on 12 goals right now, that I don't think anybody's talking about the fact that he's a minus player, or that yeah. uh, you know people are throwing advanced statistics at you because of opportunities that are had against the line. I I, I don't think it happens. By I the think- way, he he
1: admitted that during the break, during the layoff, he picked up the phone and he called Jack Hughes, who he had a lot of success with at the U.S. National Development Program, and he said to Jack Hughes, "Jack, you got off to you know a, a tough start and you struggled early on and stuff like that, and you're starting to find your game and." how did you deal with the adversity and how did you deal with the downs and how did you deal with the slumps and what did you do to change it and stuff like that? And listen, I love that he did that because obviously it shows that he cares if you had any doubt, uh, which I never did, but it also says to me that they need some people around the team and Lord knows they, they have plenty of staffers. They need somebody around the team to be able to talk to some of these players like a Caulfield, if Caulfield decided to reach out to Hughes, then that means he wants to talk about it, right?
0: Well, it sure does, but I think there's also a a familiarity there. And there, and there's guys who look at each other and know what it was been like with the US national development team to be at the highest of high. And they have also seen each other when things are pretty bad. So whether that relationship exists on the on the Canadians. With a young player like that, and and maybe an older player, I I don't know what that relationship is, but I think that you would understand, Tony, if, if it was you sitting in that spot, then maybe you're maybe calling Anjelo, or you're coming, you're calling one of your other boys that you grew yeah. up with, and you say, hey, what do you think about this? What have you done? You tell me. I need a little yeah. bit of help, and maybe you don't want to show that that vulner uh, that vulnerability. Perhaps maybe that's the case, but I would say to you that you know, for a guy like Caulfield, that there's guys on this team who understand what it's like to go score goals and understand what it's like to go cold. Just take a look at uh, Toffoli. Take a look at a guy like Anderson. Maybe, yeah. you know, clearly, Tony, those guys don't have the the high end, the, you know, the highest mark that, that uh, Caulfield has in terms of his ability to score, but they certainly scored goals, and those guys can ride a hot hand. So I'm sure those discussions have been had, or at least I hope they would have.
1: Well, you know what? Uh, I called some of my buddies, and I said, I want to drop a couple of pounds. What do I do? And half of them told me to stop eating or eat less, and the other half told me to get on the treadmill. So guess what? What would you do? Uh, I checked out matrixhomefitness.ca. Cole Caulfield said that during the break, he got on the bike quite a bit to make sure that he was keeping active. Uh, Build your, your own gym at home. Bring it home. Discover a quality workout in the comfort of your own home. With matrixhomefitness.ca, I have their X75 treadmill with the XUR console, a 22-inch screen, JP. It is an absolute beauty. Hey, I want to end this off by letting everyone know that we are we have a little game going on in the SICK podcast. It's called Eliminate One. Okay. It, uh, it's a graph or a chart. I'm sure everyone's seen it by now. It's kind of like a, an NFL bracket type of thing. And gotcha. uh, they have nine. we have nine candidates in there. Yep. And uh, you can vote on the Sick Podcast's Instagram page or the Sick Podcast's Facebook page or on the Sick Podcast's Twitter account, and you can eliminate one for the Habs vacant GM job. And I can tell you that five days in, five candidates have been eliminated. I'm going to try and remember who they are here. Yeah. That Patrick Waugh was the first one eliminated. I believe Stefan oh. Quintal was the second one eliminated. All right. Uh, I believe Danielle Sauvageau was third. Okay. I believe Emily Castongue was fourth. All right. And I believe Daniel Briere was fifth. Those are the okay. ones that have been eliminated. So I think right now left are Roberto Luongo, Kent Hughes, Matthew Darsh, and Mark Denis, or maybe I'm wrong and six of them have been eliminated. Okay. Anyway, I kind of forget what I ate yesterday, but uh, Luongo, <laughs> Luongo is out today, so six have today. been eliminated. That was yeah, my so guy. There's only, so, and then there were three. There are three candidates left. Matthew Darsh, yep. uh, Mark Denis, and Kent Hughes. All right. Three candidates left. So there you have it. So uh, Participate. It's a sick podcast voters poll, and Once again, subscribe to our YouTube channel at the sick podcast. It's absolutely free JP. uh, This was a lot of fun in 30 seconds. If you can, Jake Allen told members of the media a couple of days ago. Hey, we should get back to winning habits, Mm -hmm. but get back to them. So we prepare for next year and years to come. It already sounds like he's come to the reality. That this team's not gonna make the playoffs next year, and he's saying, you know what? Let's let's build for the future here in the way we play in some of our work habits. If you're Dominic Ducharme, is this something that you wanna hear? Absolutely. One of your players say
0: for sure, especially somebody like Jake Allen, who from the beginning of the season has told it straight, and who all the guys in that locker room realize uh has done a a hell of a job for for the canadians since since coming on especially with what's gone on with price so i think it does two things first thing is it takes all the temperature out of the room it it shifts all the focus back onto onto the players and it shifts the focus away from from the coach the second thing is that it refocuses the guys on trying to find short-term wins you know little things that you can that you can grasp And and you know, not necessarily turn the season around, but make it enjoyable to come to the rink. Because believe you me, when things are not going well and you have this much of a season left, it's not an easy proposition for players. Despite the fact that they're making tons of bank, despite the fact that they've got a nice lifestyle, despite the fact that they fly all over the place in great planes and get treated really well. It is not easy. So with 40 plus, 45 plus games to go, they have to find things that they can. Uh, that they can turn into positive, so I, I think it was I think it's welcome if I'm Dom du and I hear that I think that's a that i' that's music to my ears j p thanks so much. you know what
1: I wore the shirt today. who's better than me? and I know the answer him <laughs> j p O'Connor thanks for doing this man let's talk to you again next time.
0: take care of yourself. thanks for having me on. Cheers. Tom.
1: Join us on the sick podcast. The Habs are back Wednesday night in
0: Boston. Cheers. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Cherry River Hard Seltzer. Only 90 calories, natural flavors, and no preservatives. Now available in Quebec Grocers and the Beer Store.